but it's much more uh, very, very warm welcome here this morning. I'm apologies if I appear very tired this morning. I was involved in a late night putting in last night, interceding for your legs. Don't understand it again, and uh, yeah, I'm weary spiritually and physically. So uh, we'll, we'll see how we go this morning. Great. This morning, if you just want to turn in your Bibles to Luke 10, verse 38 to 42. It is also quite a short little story, it's only a few lines, and you can get some detail in there, and there's so much um, richness in there. And the church has looked at the story in many different ways. Up until the first part, the early church was actually quite amazed at, which I think is really cool for our day in 2021. The other church was quite shocked by the fact that Mary is sitting, listening to Jesus as a rabbi. So this was another example of how, how Jesus and his kingdom is quite subversive. That is, it gets under the systems, it gets under the, the way we do life and, and our culture, and, and he flips it over to bring his kingdom, which brings inclusion, which brings wholeness, which brings freedom. And this is just another example of Jesus being welcomed and included women into his inner circle. Um, Martha and Mary are his friends. Their brother is Lazarus. We look at the story of the Bible where Lazarus is raised in the dead by Jesus. Well, these are the sisters of Lazarus. And Lazarus is not mentioned in this little story, but they were friends of Jesus. And the context of the story is that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And he's going to Jerusalem for the last time because he knows he's going to be crucified. And Bethany, this little village that doesn't name it yet, that's where they are, is just a small way away from Jerusalem. And Jesus has popped into this village, gone into this time of Mary and Martha to be with them, his friends. And you know, it's hard to know what Jesus' motives or reasons were in that situation, but I think he's sort of seeking humanity of Jesus here. He must have had a lot of those mind when he was going to Jerusalem and the cross and everything that was ahead of him. And I wonder if he was just you know, weary of the ministry and what was ahead. And I wonder if he just wanted to be with his friends and be encouraged and be forward and do life. And so we had this beautiful. Um, Story here of, of Jesus being in this time. And before I go, like I said, the early church, they saw this story as quite subversive the fact that a woman was sitting under the teaching of Jesus because that was usually a man's place. And uh, in the story, Mark, I thought it was in the cultural expectation of the day, it's really what was expected of her, which was preparing meals and So there it is. You know, the early readers of the church had been shocked to realize it was really shocking to see this social, cultural thing being shaken up. But by about the 5th century, it was shifted the church, which was towards the monastic, where we were setting up monasteries, monks, and, and uh, holy orders, people getting away from society, and uh, sort of going out to God. And it wasn't very good, it was really healthy stuff. But unfortunately, there was a bit of a balance change there where they took the story as an example of that Mary represents the contemplative 
life, but it's more out of life for the being of Jesus. And Martha represents the acting life, the doing of things. And what they do is, like, particularly with the monasteries and, and, and people getting away from society and the saints and going after God, they were like, this life, what Mary represents, is, is superior. And this life that Martha represents, which was most people, most people work in monasteries, they were just surviving as peasants or workers, is inferior. And like the being in the church, there's always this thing where it, it sways between these, these different extremes. And of course, on the Reformation, onwards, there was a move away from the monastic thing and back into active faith and doing things, which has a lot of good things as well, doesn't it? So, you know, this great missionary drive going. You know, Christianity is in Europe for about 1,500 years, basically, and then it just goes across the world for these 500 years. And, um, and you know, we're experiencing that today, it's wonderful crop. But then we had an over-emphasis on the active life in our type of churches at the expense of complaining life. And I guess I just want to say today that it's, it's both hands. I, I think we are we both are very active both And um, now I don't have to tell you that you probably really identify with Martha because we have this life. Um, I, don't, I don't think anyone who's just like that because I'm just so nervous. Um, I just got nothing on my plate. Like, it, I'm bored. I'm not going to do today. But most people I meet are working busy jobs. Like, how many people are working these days? We're working out. They're doing all the that. You know, that's the bare minimum. They've got, and on top of that, they've got families and kids, they've got loads and loads of commitments. Sports, clubs, you know, the local church, other organisations, there are loads and loads of commitments. And then on top of that, we have a whole entertainment industry through the social media and we have 24-7 news cycles and stuff where we're spending all of our time. So there is not a lot of time for being quiet. And I, I don't know you, but I, I would really identify with Martha. I, I, I struggle to be on my own, sitting with the Lord in my own thoughts. It, it feels like torture sometimes. But I feel much better doing things when I feel like I've achieved something. And uh, I, in the story, I, I, I really identify with Martha because I'm an eldest child. I don't know if Martha is the oldest child or not. But I would like to make a generalization here, and probably all the younger siblings are probably going to be really good. But I think my family, my parents are going to do this, which is, you know, back to me, and I was, at the time, I was forced to work very hard, and I'm like, in retrospect, I probably didn't do a lot at all. But I remember that I used to always do it because my parents would tell me that I moved it to the university. And my younger brother, he was just a Is anyone here who has siblings? Loving. Loving. Is it there to explain to anyone? Now, one of us used to do a trip where he would go to the school. 
and then you just all this stuff up there, and then you think about it how I get out. And my dad and myself probably should have been just pushing this to do. But we're just in that And I really identified with Martha because in the story, she's doing this work, busy work in this meal read that Jesus and the disciples have come with it. And she is frantic, she's busy, she's stressed, she's overwhelmed. And I can just identify, as I imagine, the frustration that must have been building in her life. I'm out here slaving. I'm out here doing all this work. And look at her just sitting there. And what's she doing? That's, that's not what I wanted to do. Sitting there with big Jesus. Who does she think she is? I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. You know, I don't know if you do these stuff, you can make everything that you do in the reality. Like you build up the, the fantasy of confrontation scenario where you say, I'll tell you this and I'll tell you that, I'll give it a piece of my mind. And then when you actually do it, it's just a little bit down here, you're like, oh, would you mind? Would you please help? So I can imagine in this situation that Martha is being really, really frustrated. And I, I sympathize with her. Uh, you know, I can imagine in that scenario. And it's, it's interesting here, especially in the context of hospitality, because in their culture, hospitality is everything. And it's very interesting to start the story. It says that Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. So she, she actually starts out really well. She welcomes Jesus. And then she goes and does a whole lot of tasks and gets busy in the season of which she's distracted with much serving. And sometimes, I think the point here around hospitality, it's like I'll have to do, until people go to my home, I just want to run up and get a cup of tea and a favourite party and do this and this and that. Actually, the most important thing when you're doing hospitality is actually to be a real person, a guest. Like they're not coming to a restaurant, they're coming to see you and invite something to your home. And the, you know, the food and the drink are, are important. And yeah, Jesus is not against food and drink, is he? You know, he has this reputation in the Gospels as a as a drunkard, as a glutton and a drunkard. That's what his reputation was. Now I'm not saying Jesus was those things, but he had a reputation for that because he was at all these parties where he was eating. And so Jesus had nothing against hospitality, he thought it was awesome, and he thought, I'm sure he enjoyed a good meal just like anyone else. But the most important thing when he was going to people times, not just to eat, but he was to be with people, to be present with people. And Mary here is sitting at his feet being present. But the mother welcomes him at the door and then, oh, and I think sometimes you also think Mary is being lazy or something here, but we don't know. She may have helped with the preparation of the food, and we don't know afterwards the husband's that Jesus, she may have helped with the cleaning up and things like that. But in that moment, Jesus was in her home, and she was like, I'm going to sit under this feet, I'm going to sit and this is an opportunity to be with Jesus. And Martha is missing this opportunity to 
preparation really becomes the value by being with Jesus. Let's not go to the next slide, okay? And who's going to get this is saying about Martha was distracted in And this is at, this is the core of, of the problem of busyness and hurry. And this is right quite a bit. Convicting by John Walker, he says, For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, it is that we become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skip our lives instead of actually living. And as the psychologist Carl Jung said, um, Hurry is not of the devil, it is. The, the problem is not in, 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 in Martha's fact that she's doing things, because we can do have to do things. It's in the fact that the, the mind and our heart are uh, in an anxious and troubled state, as we sister Christ shortly after this. She is distracting with much serving. She is in a hurry, and she is, like I said, she's building up this frustration, this tension. And I don't know about you, but if I think of my moments where I haven't been my best with people, in a workplace or family or friend, it's usually when I'm stressed. Never right. But you hardly ever blow it into cool, calm, collected, relaxed, at peace. It's when you're stressed. It's when everything's overwhelming you and you just have gone out of that logical part of your brain right into that emotional. And you're and it's in that moment when you're stressed and overwhelmed that you often say that you often say things that you regret, that you often do those things that you often regret. And then after, why did I say that? It was such a trivial thing, why did I get upset about that? But it's, it's the hurry, the busyness. That when we are plagued by the thought, that's where these things can happen. And in here, we have that this pressure cook is building with Martha, the frustration and that, and that annoyance of her sister. And then Satan is a tipping point for her, obviously, in the scene, and she goes and does something about it. And she goes up to Jesus and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? <laughs> I find it really interesting because when I'm preparing this, I, I just make me think about the prodigal son, where that elder's brother says, This brother of mine, no name, this you know, brother of mine who have done all these things and wasted all your money. Like, Martha's are like, oh, it's, you know, it's tell me where you're coming from. like, this sister of mine, you know, <laughs> this, this real trouble, like, this person is causing me so much annoyance and, and frustration. You tell her what to do. And how often, and I, I, when I read that, I start so convicted, how often have I had those prayers where I'm like, Lord, you know, like she said, there, do not care. Like, we talked about that last week with Jesus. In the storm, like, Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? It's got a place on the heart, like, 
Lord, I am frustrated in this situation. Lord, would you change this situation? Would you change that person? Let's pray for it. And the person to change because you're frustrated with it? Like, no one can get this. Just like, she prays that to me, I say. Yeah, you're like, oh, God, would you just get that person for that thing? Or stop doing that thing? Or would you be helped in this situation? And it's like just sort of a, like she's just venting at Jesus about the situation about his sister. And then I just, I just really love the way that Jesus responds to her, verse 41. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. I love how Jesus, when I read that, I just think it's almost like Jesus is telling her she's coming in furious and angry and do something else. Sort my sister out. And he's just like, this is kind of a sort of thing. He's like, ah, ah, I can breathe. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah, he actually rebukes it. It's in such a beautiful just acknowledges who she is because she's this friend of God. He loves her. And he's just like that down and still in this situation. I see it. I see your frustration. I see the figure I see. I'm here. You're not here. I know that you're not. I love you. I hear it. Like there's that memory that it's hard to feel with Jesus is kind of bad and sin. And then Jesus is a, you know, what he always does is you are anxious and troubled And when he looks at that, I think you can see, you know, obviously you can see into that night, you can see all the swirling eyes and thoughts that have overcome her, that have troubled her, that she has not had the right time, that she's upset, that she's furious. That she wants something to happen in that situation. And he just sees right in there. And it's just past, the most beautiful pastry that I could use in this situation. He just says, Look, I can see the problem. I see that you're anxious and troubled and worried about so many things. He says, There's one thing he needs to see. Mary has chosen the good portion or the better part, which should not be taken away from. Sorry, Kirk, uh, is a Danish philosopher, Harvard Extension, Kirk Extension Room. And he, he wrote this quote, the superior part is the will for one thing. And the one thing he's talking about is God. And he's talking about that what he means in this quote is to say that the purity of your heart is the devotion of your heart is to for one thing, which is God. And he talks about this concept that we, we, get, we get so double-minded, we get so distracted, we get so focused on so many things, but you know, the point of our worship and who we are is to, to desire and to will for one thing, which is God and His presence. Do you understand that in this slide? And this is a thing that we see in Scripture, in Psalm 27, 4, 
sekarang kita keluarkan one thing that I ask the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to acquire the meditation of His temple. Mark 10, 21 This is Jesus from the rich front going to all over and Jesus looking at him with love and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. You see, it doesn't matter that we have lots of things to do in our life. That is important. If each of you gets up in the morning and say, I should have breakfast, you you know, you've got coffee, you, you go out the door, you've got kids, you get any sort of school, you've got a job, you're off to your workplace, or meetings, or um, going to site to site to clients and customers, you have um, paperwork to do, you have um, difficult conversations to have, you have emails to unfortunately read, you have phone calls to make, you have things that are on your to-do list that are building up from the day before. You've got to pick the kids up in school, you've got to go to school practices, you've got all sorts of things in your day. We have many things in our days in life, and that's not going to be We're not all transporting to a lot of streets by even though that would be nice for a few days. We have this life, Monday's coming tomorrow, the week's going to start, but what I feel, I want to land on this point today, is that we can choose to do one or two things. We can just keep doing things without God, or we can start from a place of devotion and adoration, so that gives us faith in the She's listening to us, she's not doing a whole lot of things, 
Jesus taking the commitment, being Jesus, and we get the wonderful privilege of doing that every day, at any time. And particularly, I, I recommend you do that before you come to worship. Even those five minutes sitting in the presence of Jesus Christ is going to make the day so much better than you have that five minutes. And if you need to stop and live your day at lunchtime, God will talk to you before we go for a walk much time and have that two five minute break when he comes on, goes apart. We need to find that place of peace and comfort on the edges to deal with your inner situation. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to deal with that fight, how I'm going to that situation, that calling, that boss. Lord, help give me peace, give me wisdom. Give me your grace, I'm here with you, empower me, all your presence. Isn't that so much better than trying to struggle on your own? And this is just all of who we are as a conductor. What about that is this proper mortality? And proper mortality means praise and thanksgiving. Like this is what Mary is doing in that moment, is the most important thing we can do as humans of God's creation. And then to go out and do what we do in the mission. And you know, we need to do that individually. And I encourage you to keep doing that individually every day. But we need to do that as a church, don't we? Like, this is why we have this kind of way of the spirit to practice it for the different services. Because we want to spike on the air and sit with Jesus. His voice for us as a church community, not just like individuals, but also as a body, that we hear the Holy Spirit in the community. Jesus says in His word that my sheep hear my voice. And so we actually believe that as a church, that Jesus speaks to us and wants to speak through us to one another to encourage each other every Sunday. So that's why we do that. And so I guess as I finish now, I just really want to encourage you guys to start really serving Jesus. You haven't done that for a long time. No condemnation. Right? We're saved by Christ. There's mercy for you every day. But why not tomorrow you just say, yeah, I'm still good. So can I be much more than coffee, celery and stuff? Or Facebook is like, I'm going to have five minutes, 15 minutes in preaching. It was singular. It meant the very first or prior thing. 
It's a singular that takes 500 years. Only in the 1900s, about 100 years ago, did we pluralize the term and start talking about the priorities. Illogically, we reason that by changing the word, it would be reality. Somehow, we would now be able to have multiple first things. And I don't know about you, but I, I just feel that some of us probably feel like we've got loads and loads of priorities. Loads and loads of things on our plate. And I just feel like the invitation from Jesus this morning is that he's our priority. He's the one thing that needs to serve. He is the real He's the, the one thing that we really rule our heart. And everything else is that, you know, we order our lives around that and everything else making them our priorities. So I'm also praying that I 